You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. If you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 2. Now I'm going to read 12 verses. So in reading these 12 verses, uh, I want you to track with me, okay? Can we read? Can we handle 12 verses? Are we able to do that? Yes. Amen. Did you find it, Sam? You got it? You got it? Matthew chapter 2? You got it? You want me to find it? I can help you with it. Amen. Let me go there with you. Someone say amen. I'm going to teach you guys. I'm going to teach you guys everything you need to know. It's okay. Here you go. This is it right here. Okay. You got it? I know. These Bibles here. There you go. Right here. Okay. Matthew chapter 2. You got it, Jordan? All right. Yes. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. Now, I'm reading in a different translation, so it might seem a little different. But it will be, it's the same thing, I promise you, okay? Okay, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the, ring of, during, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, somebody say wise men. Wise How many have ever heard the three wise men? Come on, somebody who's heard it through. Who has heard, who has the manger set at your house <laughs> under the tree? Do you have one? At the time you have a nativity scene? In the basement. Samantha, do you have a nativity scene under? You ever see a nativity scene under the tree? Baby Jesus in a manger and some people standing around him. And unfortunately, not. I have the village. Okay, you have a village. Okay. Well, these are the these are the the wise men. And notice it says about that time some wise men. Let's say it together. Some wise men. Some wise men. All right. From eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, and they had a question. They were asking, "Where is the newborn King of the Jews?" Now we're gonna. This is gonna be an interesting thing because we're gonna. We're really. This is our Bible study, so we. It's not like Sunday. We really get into some interesting parts of the Word of God, and you know because we teach how to study the Bible at this church, and this is one of our little exercises. We're gonna find out who these guys were, the wise men tonight, and I want you to make a specific note. We haven't done this in a while at the church. Really break up a passage. We're gonna do it tonight. I want you to take a specific notice here. It doesn't say three wise men. Usually we see that there's three wise men. Do you see anything in the number three there? So you'll see that, you know, Sam and, and Jordan, often they show you three wise men because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we think that one brought gold, one brought frankincense, and one brought myrrh. But we're going to see that that's not necessarily the case right here. Now, is it? Amen, somebody. All right. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star. What does this even mean? We saw his star. His star. A whole star belonged to him. All right. We saw his star and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Here's a guy who's king. And now he's upset because he finds out that there's another king to be born. What kind of guy who's probably in his 40s, maybe his 50s at this point, gets upset and threatened over somebody that hasn't even been born yet? You're going to find out it takes a whole lot of egotism and arrogance and pride and you'll see in just a second that arrogance, pride, egotism is the number one killer of man. 
And this story isn't necessarily about wise men per se. It's about how the biggest thing in your life that will destroy you is insecurity and pride. And that will have its way if you don't check it early in your life. Amen? Someone touch somebody next to you and say, I'm not insecure. Say, I have no pride. Say, my ego is where I can manage it. You know, a lot of people can't manage their egos. They think too high of themselves and, and it ends up destroying them in the end. And the, the, the religious leaders said, In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Isn't it an interesting verse? And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. I'll tell you this, any time that God, this is, uh, let me pause right here and say this. Any time that God is doing something, there should be joy. Can I get an amen? amen? If it's legitimately a work of God, it's going to produce joy in your life. When God is, many times people say, I don't know, this is from God. And they don't look happy. Do you know how many couples I see? This is a happy couple right here. Can I tell them the news? Am I allowed to tell them? This is our first Lighter Today couple that has gotten engaged. Amen. Come on, let's clap for them tonight in Jesus' name. We have an engaged. They are such a good-looking couple. And you know what? Is that when you have something that's from God, you'll have joy with it. Do you know how many people, like I say, couples, they say this is from God. I was talking to someone uh, the other day, and they were talking about, oh, we're fighting this, that, and the other. Oh, but, you know, we're trying to keep it together. And, well, but we're fighting, we're fighting. And I said, this ain't from God. There should not be this much fighting going on in a relationship that God has ordained. Now, couples have their problems. But when there's always fighting, it's every day it's fighting. You need to find somebody else or go get your head checked. Amen. Amen. You mean couples fight? Yes, couples fight, but they don't fight every single day. If you fight every single day, there's no joy. And guess what? It didn't come from God. Same thing inside of a church. If God is really legitimately moving, if it's the true anointing in the church, there'll be joy in what God is doing. You want to know something? When people start dancing in the church, this is Pentecostal church, I welcome dancing. But if it's causing distraction and everybody's laughing and it's not producing in your heart something that's blessing, it's not from God. You know, when I've seen somebody dancing by the Spirit, it produces joy. It blesses the people that are watching them. They don't get out their phones and put it on YouTube. Amen? They're really blessed by it. Because the things that God does, it produces joy. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's see here. Then it says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, I feel bad for the people that are missing tonight because, you know, the Spirit of God, I really got to studying this, and I said, you know, I want to find out who these wise men are because I believe that there's a powerful truth that God wants to reveal to us in this Bible study tonight. If you're taking notes, I want you to, to write this down. Do you know many times people fail? They fail 
to find Jesus in their life. And the reason is, is because if you're going to find Jesus, you're going to find the truth. The quest to find the truth begins in your life with a burning desire to find it. You cannot find the truth in your life until you first set out on a quest to find the truth. Can I get amen, somebody? So surrendering to Jesus in your life began because your heart desired to find the truth in the beginning. Do you know that many people that find Jesus never were looking for Jesus to begin? They were really looking for the truth. Amen. You know, sometimes you look at people and they're not, they haven't found Jesus. But they're out there searching. And do you believe tonight that it's possible that many of the people that are, that are out there trying to find the truth, that, that, let me say it like this, many of the people that do not have Jesus, God is, going to work, is still working with them because they're out there looking for the truth. Sometimes God doesn't look at you and say, well, they're not looking for Jesus, so then, you know, what? I'm not going to work with them. God is not always looking for people that are just looking for Jesus. God is looking for people that are looking for the truth. And when people that are looking for the truth have a burning desire, God will somehow find a way to lead them to Jesus. So the quest to find Jesus often begins with a quest to find the truth. Can I get an amen, somebody? So listen to this. Though a person in their life is wandering... They're wandering around looking for the truth and they haven't found Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are lost. Lost in the sense of without Jesus, yes. But lost in the sense of out of God's will for their life, no. Amen, somebody. Think back to before you found the Lord. You might have tried alcohol. You might have tried drugs. You might have tried sex before marriage. You might have tried perversion. You might have tried other religions. But here's the thing I want to ask you tonight. Is it possible that God was using all the things that you were using to fill your life as a means of getting you to the next point where you could find Him? Amen, somebody. Are you with me tonight? And so, searching for the truth, searching for the truth is what steals God's gaze. If you want to get the attention of God in your life, then you know what happens? You begin to search for the truth. Amen. It doesn't always mean that somebody wakes up. People don't get saved because they wake up and say one day, oh, I need Jesus. That happens to some people. But do you know for some people, they say in their life, I need the truth. Some people search for 20 years to find the truth. Some people search for 20 days to find the truth. But do you know what God is looking at right now? Who out there is legitimately searching to find out what their heart is desiring to have. And they don't always arrive at Jesus first. Many times when people are looking for the truth, they arrive at something before Jesus. They arrive at alcohol before Jesus. They arrive at false religion before Jesus. They arrive at sexual sin before Jesus. They arrive at atheism before Jesus. But here's the thing. If the heart is continually searching and keeps on searching, it won't be long before God intervenes and interrupts and brings that person to Jesus. Amen. So when you find somebody that hasn't found Jesus, but you can tell that that person is searching, you should be encouraged because God is going to use that searching that they have in their life and that hunger to find the truth to bring them finally to the place where they meet Jesus and they can give up that quest and God can break that thing off their life. Can I get amen, somebody? Amen. All right. 
So the question is, who are the wise men? We think that sometimes we make the great mistake of thinking that every single person that we put under our Christmas tree are good people. Let me tell you this real quick. You're going to see in just one second that we look at so much where a person is at and God is looking at where the person is headed. And the thing about the wise men that speaks the loudest is that these weren't choir boys. And I mean by choir boys, it's goody two-shoes. People that belong in church. Taking notes, you can write this down. The wise men were some of the most wicked people you will ever find in the Bible. These people were wicked. When you are believing God to save someone in your family that is against God and wicked, I want you to keep the wise men in your mind. Because if God can save the wise men, God can save your loved ones. If God can save the wise men, God can save the people that you care about the most. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Do you know how many people I find come to me as a pastor and say, I want to know Jesus, but I've done too many things bad in my life. I want to know Jesus, but you know, he, you know, if you only knew what I did, you wouldn't want me in this church. Let me say this to you. The people that God picked to come worship Jesus, you have nothing on them. They're the worst people you can imagine. And these are the people that found Jesus and came to worship Him when He was born. Nothing is outside of God's grace. So you say, well, pastor, who's the wise men? Let me say number one. The wise men, when you study them, were not from Jerusalem and Bethlehem of Judea where Jesus was born. The wise men were part of a priestly caste system of priests. They were priests in a long, faraway land over 500 miles to the east in what is now today modern-day Iran. As a matter of fact, Tehran, which is the greatest, biggest city in Iran today, is 937 miles away from Jerusalem. So first of all, it's interesting to find out that here you have these priests that were living in Iran, or some say Saudi Arabia, which is no different, nonetheless, just as far. And this is who God speaks to about a king that was being born in Judea. It does, it's amazing how God knows exactly where everybody is at. He, here you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords being born in Bethlehem of Judea. Why is God messing with priests, a whole priestly system that's 937 miles away? The eyes of God are continually all over the earth observing everybody. You think that only God is paying attention to the pastors. That God is only paying attention to men of God, quote-unquote. I got news for you. God knows exactly who you are. God knows exactly what your name is. And God is paying attention to you. And you're going to see in just a second, the reason why he selected and chose the wise men is because there was nobody hungrier at that time to know the truth. Amen. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. The best Christians tomorrow are some of the biggest sinners today. The people that have done the worst things yesterday, or uh, that are doing the worst things today, some of the most wicked people today are going to make the most powerful Christians tomorrow. Amen. And do you know what? God is looking at those people right now. And here's the thing. 
God has his eyes on people when they're in their wickedness. Not when they become holy. When they're in their sin, God's looking at them. And he, you see sometimes as Christians, we look at the sin that they're committing. And do you know what God is looking at? He says, yeah, they may be doing all that. But I see in their heart, this person wants to know the truth. I see in their heart past the addiction. I see past the alcohol. I see past these things. This person wants to know the truth. And I'm going to make sure that no matter what happens to them, that I get a hold of them and lead them to the truth when it's all said and done. Amen. I feel God's power tonight. Glory to God. He knows the truth. God is leading people to the truth. Some of the best Christians tomorrow are some of the biggest sinners today. Hallelujah. Okay, so number two, they weren't just part of a priestly caste. This priestly caste was evil and godless. And they practiced incestuous marriages. For some of y'all don't know what incestuous marriages were, let me tell you this. It means that brother and sister were getting married. Daughter and father were getting married. These are things that are going on. Things that are so bad, society doesn't accept these things today. And not only this, but they also were so unclean, they didn't bury their dead, but allowed their dead to be devoured by wild animals. And you say, what does that have to do with anything? It shows you the disregard they had for human life and the irreverence they had for and disrespect they had for humanity. This was part of the religion. And you know what we call the wise men? What is the other name for them? The Magi. Right? Do you ever wonder why they're called the Magi? The Magi? Three wise men, the Magi? We think that here they are a bunch of good Christians coming to find Jesus. The Magi is where we get the English word magic. It comes from the Greek word magos. And magos is where you get the word magic. It referred to somebody that was a member of this Persian caste system. And it was because of their false practices that they had the word magi given to them. It referred to somebody that had supernatural ability and knowledge. It meant a false prophet, a sorcerer. It was a title to give to people that were soothsayers. And soothsayers were those that practiced black magic, occult arts, fortune telling, and above all of these things, astrology. And these are the people that are coming to find Jesus. But pastor, you don't understand. You just don't understand. I've just done so many bad things in my life. I'm just a sinner. And, and God, he just can't use me. Think again. Devoured by wild animals. People that were marrying their family members. And you can imagine if someone has that kind of depraved mind, what else they're doing. And they're into Susan and astrology, which means they had a relationship with demon spirits. How is it that these are the people that God chose to come find Jesus? Because I'll tell you this, the hunger in a person's heart to find the truth is greater than the sin that they're living in. Well, pastor, you don't understand. They just, uh, there's just no hope for that person. If they have a desire to find the truth, you can believe that there's hope in their heart. Amen. Not only this, but they're also called wise men. 
because they were wise in the sense that they were like scientists. They, above all, this priestly caste was used to study and keep track of celestial happenings, and they had a knack for astronomy, which means that while everybody at that time was getting their, you know, being shoemakers and blacksmiths and whatever else people did at that time and baking bread, their job was they mapped the stars. You know, some people don't understand. Some people, you know, as Christians, we think sometimes that, well, you know, we're just these good old down-on-the-farm, you know, Christians and good old-fashioned. Let me say this. Did you know that in Abrams chapter 5, 8, the Zodiac is mentioned? Twelve constellations that we know as the Zodiac is mentioned four times in the Bible. The Bible refers to the belt of Orion, something that you can see. Now, we don't practice horoscopes here. But I'm telling you this to tell you that it was being practiced at that time. And it is something the Bible gives you a reference to. And who do you, it's not just the people, it's not just Dionne Warwick that made this up. This is something that she's practicing that came many, many years ago and started all the way even before the Magi. And they're the ones practicing the Zodiac, mapping out the stars and mapping out the sky. You can look at it, you can look it up. And they monitored and uh, recorded the heavens because what they were attempting to do was to look for omens because the nobility would seek them when they wanted to make a decision about what's going on in the heavenlies. And this is how nobility made decisions was they came to the wise men and they said, tell me what's going on in the heavens. And they said, well, we have this happening going on in the stars right now. And this is how nobility would govern their empires. And this is why they were such powerful men. Is because they're the ones that could tell the nobility what was going on in the heavens. And ultimately, it was through their calculations that the whole history of the world was being run upon. How many of you ever knew that about the wise men? Somebody say, God can use me. Say, no matter what I've done in my life. Say, no matter how far my sin has been. No matter how unclean my life has been. That God's power, that God's power is, able is able to save me. So if you're sitting here today and you say, Oh, Pastor Palmer, you don't understand. My life has been so bad. I've done so many bad things. If you look back at my past, oh. let me say this. I promise you, you are not as deep into witchcraft as the occultists, the wise men. The next time you look at those wise men under your tree, you can think about the grace of God. How God doesn't choose perfect people. God's never chosen a perfect person. I was telling someone today, you look at Abraham, he was a coward in Scripture. You look at Noah, he was drunk in Scripture all the time. You look at Peter, he was a man given to judgment. You find out that God is the only one that can get the grace and the glory for your life. Amen, somebody. But it doesn't stop there. You're going to see in just a second that I believe one of the reasons why God chose the wise men is because he was going to get to glory when they come to him at the end and he's going to deliver them from their sins. Amen, somebody. All right. So, I said this before, that the wise men were some of the most pagan people in their day. They were cultists, they were astrologers, they were soothsayers, they were the ones that advised nobility in the way of darkness. But the Bible says something that is so absolutely interesting about this story. None of us ever stop to pay attention to it. The Word of God says that when Jesus was born, the wise men noticed his star in the east. 
Now you wonder and you say, what do you mean his star? How many have ever wondered what that means? Raise your hand. Wonder what this whole Christmas star is. What is the star? Is it the star that appeared out of nowhere? What are you talking about? Think about what I just said. Here they are, 967 miles away from the birth of Jesus, approximately. You don't think about You know what 900 miles is? That's probably down to just past uh, the Florida border. Maybe Jacksonville is about 900 miles or so. Not thinking about nothing. And all of a sudden, they see something going on in the stars. Because after all, that was their job. And something takes place, they see, in the heavenlies. Now, let me take you back. On, are you guys enjoying this tonight? Yeah. You guys learning something? Yeah. Okay. Let's read Matthew chapter, excuse me. Let me read Isaiah 7.14. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 7.14. This is what it says, Isaiah 7.14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Someone say God with us. Yeah. I'll show you guys after. <laughs> okay. I'm going to help you guys. We're going to get this. All right. All right. I'll teach you guys tonight, okay? All right. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. This is what it says. For a child will be born unto us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Someone say Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, say Everlasting Father, say Prince of Peace. Amen, I like to hear that. This is what it says, His government and its peace will never end. Someone say never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. Someone say eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, that was from the NLT. You understand that this is a prophecy that had come from the mouth of Isaiah. Isaiah uttered this prophecy many, many years before Jesus was born. As a matter of fact, the prophecy of Isaiah was given before Daniel's captivity in Babylon. Daniel is a, is a prophet. And during Daniel's living in Israel, what ended up happening was Daniel was taken captive as well as the rest of the Jews, into what is known as a good job. You got it? <laughs> this is Bible study tonight. We have a good time. <laughs> Daniel was taken captive. He was a Jew, and he was brought into the kingdom of Babylon. The kingdom of Babylon was a massive empire that spread out over most of the known world. And when the Israelites were taken captive, we call them the Hebrews, were taken captive, their way of life began to influence the society in which they were taken captive in. So not only did the Hebrew way of life become commonplace to those that were in Babylon and part of the Persian Empire, after the Babylonian Empire came the Persian Empire. And in the Persian Empire, it extended to where at that point, in this time where Jesus was being born, where the wise men were at, that was part of the Babylonian Empire at one point. So they, those wise men, would have known the Jewish prophecies of the coming Messiah. Because those prophecies began to spread during the time that Daniel was taken captive. And he began to make known Isaiah's prophecies. So picture this, if you will. Back hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, people began to know that the Hebrews had a prophecy 
in their prophetic literature that there was going to come a time where there would be a Messiah that was born and he was going to crush all the oppression of the kingdoms at that point. And do you want to know something? The Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians weren't against it. They were getting with it. They said, wait a second, the Hebrews have a prophecy that there is coming somebody who is the Messiah, a Redeemer, that's going to crush the oppression of the Persians? And as time went by, the Persians were overtaken by the Roman Empire. And so it was that someone would come who would overtake the Roman Empire. So because of the Hebrew prophecies for hundreds and hundreds of years, about 900 and some years, people, about 500 years, excuse me, people were believing that there was going to come this Messiah from the line of Judah that was going to crush all of the Roman oppression. And do you know what started happening in the known world at that time? There began to be an expectation among the religious leaders that one day there's going to come a Jewish Messiah. And do you know if they knew the prophecy would be true at that time? That means that there would be a star that would prove it. Do you know why? Because the whole religious world at that time believed that stars marked the coming of a great king. If there was going to be a king that was born or a new king, there had to be a star. You say, well, that's not necessarily true. That doesn't mean every time the new president is going to be born, there's a star. Is it possible that God wanted humanity to know the truth so bad that he was willing to speak their language for a moment to turn them to the truth? Do you want to know something about God? He's not in your little box. Your little church box that you have, God doesn't fit that box. God will be willing to speak your language just so you can know the truth. You mean astrologers at that time believed. They're astrologers. The only way they believed that happenings were going to happen is if stars appeared. That's not how God works. That's how astrologers work. And you know what God was willing to do? Sabotage astrology just to start communicating to a race of people that were desiring to know the truth. Do you want to know something? When you're in alcoholism, when you're doing drugs, when you're out there in the world, how many can say that somehow in the middle of what you were doing, God began to speak your language before you ever began to speak His? You had a party one night. Something happens that gets your attention, but nobody else's attention around you. You do something, you come home late at night, you're feeling so sorry for it. Then all of a sudden, God starts talking your language in the middle of your sin. Do you know why? Because God has a way of sabotaging certain things in order to start talking to you. Do you know why He'll do it? Because He knows your heart is hungry for the truth. Amen, somebody. Is this okay tonight? And so the Magi were those people that were hungering for the truth. Looking at the stars. Trying to see if something was going to happen. Because the whole civilized world at that time believed the birth of great leaders were marked by signs in the celestial. And if the prophecy of the coming Messiah was going to be true, there had to be a star. 
And so the soothsayers at that time, they didn't even realize it, but they were looking for a truth that was higher than their truth. And here's the thing about God that you have to understand in your life. If you're believing God for a loved one to be saved, if you're believing God for someone to know Him, you've been believing for a long time, then if somebody is hungry for the truth, God knows how to direct misguided people. He directs misdirected people as long as they continue to search. Amen. And so, they will tell you at that time, when Jesus was born, some people think he was born on 0 A.D. Actually, historians will tell you that the birth of the Messiah took place in the fall of 4 A.D. That's when it was believed that the Messiah was born. And you know, science has a way of proving when celestial happenings took place using mathematics. And it is a known fact that at 4 A.D., something supernatural took place in the heavenlies. And that is, it wasn't a star. If you were living at that time and you saw a cosmic celestial happening, you might call it a star because you don't have telescopes in the Hubble up in space. But what science has proven in 4 AD, something supernatural took place in the heavenlies, and it was a very rare, you can look it in history, you can look in science, I did all the research, you can look it up, a rare cosmic alignment of Jupiter and Mars and Saturn took place perfectly. It would have been so bright in the star, in the heavens, it would have looked like a star. Not just a star, a very bright, illustrious, a luminous star. And not only did that happen, it took place in the constellation of what we call today Pisces. Now I tell you, do not go read horoscopes. They're evil and they're wrong. But a constellation is just an alignment of stars. If you're not worshiping it. And it took place in this constellation. And did you know that that constellation at that time was believed by astrologers to be the constellation that belonged to the Jews? And Jupiter and Saturn were known as the king planets. And so, what would this tell a bunch of astrologers who are looking for the truth? That there is a king being born inside of Israel. It was the language that they needed. They're sitting there watching it. And inside of them, an anticipation begins to build. The king of Israel is being born. The prophecies that Daniel had prophesied about concerning Isaiah's prophecy to the Babylonian world, it's not just a myth. It's not just something that's being talked about. The heavenlies are confirming what Isaiah had to say. The king is being born. What else could get a group or entourage of men to leave and go 967 miles looking for they don't even know what? Something supernatural was taking place in the heavenlies. That's why if you have somebody that is searching for the truth and you're believing God for them, they may be involved in witchcraft. They may be involved in evil. But if you keep praying for that person and there's hunger in their heart, God's going to talk their language and something supernatural is going to be given to their life. Tell me, just let me preach away tonight. Come on, someone. Say amen. amen. So here they come after about three, four weeks, maybe a month of traveling. And they get to Jerusalem because I imagine they thought the king would be born in Jerusalem. And what would you do if you knew a king was being born? You'd probably go to the kingly palace. 
So they go to Herod's house. Now Herod was a wicked man. Herod was one of the most wicked men at that day. And he was nothing more than just a puppet king for the Roman Empire. He was put over Judea to act as king, to keep the Jews in place, to keep them from being unruly so that the Roman Empire wouldn't have to come and be the bad guy. And Herod loved his position of king. And the only thing that Herod cared about was himself and maintaining that position. I told you in just a second that when all you care about is preserving your ego, you'll never find the truth. I believe that when many people stand before the Lord one day, and the Lord says to them, they, they, they accuse God because they never found the truth. God will say, you never found the truth because you were too obsessed with yourself to ever even look for it. And they came to Herod and they said, Herod, they said, where is the king born of the Jews? Now Herod, here he's concerned. What do you mean there's a Jew being born who's going to be king? I'm the king. Who is this person you say is going to be king? So he has a meeting and calls together all the wise men of Judea. And the wise men get out the scrolls and say there was prophecies many years ago, 900 some years ago, that there was going to be a great king that was born. And Herod has no interest in worshiping the king. Now you see something that scripture is trying to tell you. You have several, you have two types of wicked men now. You have Herod wicked men, only concerned about preserving themselves. And you have the wise men, wicked men who may have not arrived yet at Jesus, but they're still searching for the truth. There are two types of sinners that are out there today. There are sinners that don't care about knowing the truth, and there are sinners that care about knowing the truth. And when you meet somebody, you can minister the gospel to them and pray for them so that their life and what's in their heart one day desires to know the truth about God. Because until somebody can, cares to know the truth, they're never going to find it. Do you know why you found Jesus? Because something in you wanted to know it. And what God is looking at is not the type of sin that you're in. He's looking at, do you desire to know Him? And He has a way of speaking your language to lead you to Him. Can I get an amen? amen? Herod says, okay, I'll tell you what. This is what you do. You go, and you go find Him. Because the men that He had said, said He's in Bethlehem. He said, you go to Bethlehem and you go find Jesus. But I tell you what, I'm going to stay here. And when you find Jesus, you come back and you tell me where he's in. And I'll go there with you and I'll worship you with him. And do you know what happened? They left. And Herod's concerned. And this is where the story gets so powerful. Because the Bible says the wise men went to Nazareth to go looking for Jesus. Because the celestial event happened again in the sky. And they ended up going to Nazareth to find Jesus. The Bible says that when they got to Nazareth, they found the young man in the house. So they never showed up at a stable. That's not what the scripture teaches. They weren't there the night that Jesus was born. They were there when he was about two years old. It took them two years of searching to find him. Can someone say amen? amen? Two years. It doesn't always happen overnight for the person you're believing for. And when they get to the place where they were looking for Jesus, the Bible says that they brought three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I cannot prove this to you, but I can tell you that some notable scholars believe this to this day who are credible. But we cannot prove it. 
but I believe this is what happened. Myrrh and frankincense were not suitable gifts to give to somebody that you believe was going to be the king. The gold was. But why the frankincense and why the myrrh and why would the wise men who understood nobility bring these kind of gifts? Unless it was their desire to do some type of incantation on this king. Because frankincense and myrrh was used at that time for the wicked practices of soothsayers. But the word of God says that when they saw Jesus, they fell down and they worshipped their king. And what I believe was going on is when those wise men finally got to Jesus, being spiritual men, they discovered that it was not incantations. It was not soothsaying. And it was not astrology. That was the highest truth at that time. They had discovered the highest truth in a little child that was no more at that time than three years old who would one day become the great king and rule eternity forever, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And the Bible says that they fell down and worshipped him. And I believe it was at that moment that the power of darkness and the power of sin and the power of every astrological and, and wicked occult practice was broken over their life through the power of the living Jesus. And isn't that seem like God? That some people are in their alcohol and their drugs and the certain things that they have. But the moment they see Jesus, the moment God leads them to a church, the moment that God leads them to a preacher, the moment that God leads them to somebody, the power of darkness in that person's life is broken instantly. Amen, somebody. Are you starting to see the Christian story just a little bit differently? Starting to see just a little bit differently. When you set those wise men up this year. You're going to think more about these cute little guys that are carrying a box. You're going to start thinking about how God can transform by the power of Christ. But guess what happened? The story does not end there. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 2 and see something. It says in verse number 12, when it was time to leave, we don't know how long they stayed there, but the word says when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. Now here's what I want to ask you quickly. It says they came by another route. How did they know to take the other route? What's the rest of the verse say? For God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Notice what it doesn't say. For they saw a sign in the heavens. Notice what it doesn't say. Because they performed some type of incantation. They had received, I believe, the spirit of sonship into their life. And they were no longer inclined to be led by their evil practices. Because why will you be led by evil practices when you have the Holy Spirit now guiding your life supernaturally? So yes, they could be led by astrology. But I tell you what, sometimes God looks at those kind of things as just the things you're using to get to Him. When someone says, I'm an alcoholic, yeah, you may live your life like an alcoholic now. But not until, you will until you find Jesus. 
And when you meet Jesus, He's going to take all those things that you use in your life, all those things that have been getting you by, and He's going to replace it with the power of the Holy Spirit. So now, the wise men didn't have in their life astrology. Because that power had been broken. They now had the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit God in their life. You think about your own life, doing things you shouldn't do, in ways you shouldn't live. Then you met Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came into your life, and He's the one that started guiding you, telling you, do this. Go apply for this job. Go meet this person. Go do this. And you totally forgot about all the other things that you were in. And God sits back, and He laughs, and He gets the glory. And He says, you know, yeah, I wasn't happy you were in astrology. I wasn't happy you were in those sins. But you know what? When you were in there, don't you ever forget, I communicated to you. And I spoke your language so that one day you can understand and speak mine. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. So listen, you find someone that doesn't know Jesus, don't throw them under the bus. It could be that their hunger is leading them in the right place. Like one great Christian once said, not all that wander are lost. Just because they haven't met Jesus doesn't mean they aren't, they're not on the way. They're on the way and they don't even know it. How many Muslims do you think are on the way and they don't even know it yet? Amen. How many people over in the, in the Middle East are on the way? To, how many people in Dearborn are on the way they don't even know it? How many people in your family are on the way they don't even know it? I believe we're going to see more people accept Jesus this year and they don't even know it. And whatever power they're dealing with is going to be broken. Amen, someone? Amen. Did you get anything out of this? Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.